0: This is Mostly Essays, and I'm Patti Vernon, your host. Today we'll have a look at uh, what's known as scribblings. Here is what it's been referred to, but seriously, it's called The Gen from Hyperspace and Other scribblings, both serious and whimsical by Martin Gardner. A little bit about Martin Gardner. He's the creator of Scientific American's Mathematical Games column, which he wrote for more than 25 years. And an author, too, of over a hundred books. Titles include The One-Sided Professor on the Wild Side and the Anointed Ancient Mariner, as well as the editor, as well as uh, Science: The Good, the Bad, and the Bogus. For many years, he was also a contributing editor to The Skeptical Inquirer. Uh, overall, uh, look at his collection of scribblings here, <laughs> lovingly referred to as The Other scribblins. For over 50 years, Martin Gardner has been delighting readers with elegant, witty, and highly ele- intelligent writing on an amazing array of topics best known for his works on popular science, mathematics, and as an incisive, skeptical commentator on the paranormal. Gardner is also accomplished writer of children's literature, a novelist, and a prolific essayist on religion, philosophy, and other issues. The new collection here takes its name from an essay on a mathematical theme about a gen or genie trapped in a clean bottle. K-L-E- KLEIN model. This amusing tale also teaches the mathematical phobic something interesting about a theoretical one sided object and no distinction between inside and outside. Other topics in math and physics include speculations about universes where time runs in, univ- in reverse the Banach-Tarski paradox whereby a sphere after being deconstructed can be resembled at twice its can be reassembled excuse me at twice its size and a vigorous defense of the objective reality of mathematical theorems independent of human culture so uh We will have a look at an excerpt uh, based on the lighter (laughs) side of things, called chapter called The Night Before Christmas, and it's having a look at the whole myth of Santa Claus. A British-born person called Robert Service, who lived between 1875 through to 1958, in Rhymes of a Rolling Stone, a uh, book entitled, has a short, pugnant uh, p- poem titled The Skeptic that goes something like this My father Christmas passed away when I was barely seven. At 21, a lack a day, I lost my hope of heaven. Yeah, not in either lies the curse, the hell of it's because I don't know which loss hurt the worse, my God or Santa Claus. Gamelia's Bradford's essay on Santa Claus, or entitled Santa Claus, a psychograph, is a spirited defense of keeping the sentiment alive amongst children. His final paragraph is worth quoting. So The legend of St. Nicholas is a lovely and delectable myth, the last living relic of the vanishing world of dreams. The fairies are gone. No little children or innocent maidens watch any longer through the ardent summer nights to catch some echo of the songs and dances of tiny people. Footing it daintily over the dewy turf, the witches are gone, unpleasant old ladies can look about them ill favouredly and purvey uh, gossip without the danger of being burnt at the stake, and nobody pays heed to them and nobody fears what they do. And now the ghosts are gone too, and solitary graveyards are far more comfortable and agreeable, sojourning in places in the summer evens than crowded streets, where one has to be constantly on the watch against becoming a ghost oneself. Santa Claus alone still lingers with us, and for heaven's sake, let's, us, let's keep him as long as we can. There are some excellent people who are scrupulous about deceiving their children with such legendary nonsense, and they're mistaken. The children learn to see soon enough, too clearly and too well, or to think they do. Ah, leave them at least one thrill of passionate mystery that may linger with them when the years begin to grow too plain and dull and bare. After all, in this universe of ignorance, anything may be true, even our dreams. And there is a still deeper value in the preservation of the Santa Claus legend. Even by those who have no faith in that, or any other legend whatsoever, for whatever preservation typifies the profound principle that sacred as both are, the law of love is higher than the law of truth, for this there is a perfectly simple and unassailable reason that truth at its best is deceiving, but love is never we toil and we tire ourselves and sacrifice our lives for the dim goodness, truth, then she eludes us, slips away from us, mocks at us, but love grows firmer and sure and more prevailing as the years pass by, therefore why should not old and young alike in the brilliant deceptive Christmas moonlight hearken for the tinkling bells and the pawing reindeer and the echoing of the merry greeting of the saint broadcast to the whole wide world. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. I happen to be a philosophical thesist and so let me toss out a suggestion surely made before though I have not encountered it. Great believers, Thornton Wilder like to say, are great doubters. It's a poor faith that can't preserve in itself in the face of evidence, which seems to point towards foolishness. Perhaps allowing children to believe in Santa Claus and later telling them that Santa Claus doesn't exist is a healthy preparation for adult trust in a power higher than imaginary gods and devils. A faith that can be damaged by early disenchantment over Santa Claus surely is not much of a faith.